Father God, we live, we exist to praise your holy name. It is because your son, Jesus Christ, that we have breath again. Lord, I pray for your spirit just to be in this place. Fill this warehouse with your presence. May we come to a place of full dependence on you, knowing that you're the one who gives breath, who gives life, who gives second, third, fourth, fifth chances. The Lord, the miracle is that we're here today praising your name because you made it possible. So because of that, we thank you. Lord, in these next few moments, we just ask that you be in this place. You speak your word. May we leave here challenged and changed with a better understanding and more in love with who you are. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. I want to welcome all of you, specifically college students. How many of you are here from college? I know it's, it's, uh, it's break. You guys left, I believe, on Wednesday. Um, some of you left on Wednesday, and I don't know what the weather's like up there, but we um, want to welcome you back home. It's always nice having a group of you guys back, and there's a, some of you, Emma, I know she's singing with us today, and Orlando's here um, playing guitar, so whenever they're here, we just love to connect with you guys and, and get you plugged in. If you are uh, a college student, and uh, you are at Southern, actually, I will be up there in, I think, two weeks, so I'd love to connect with you. If I don't have your contact information, I'd love to get it to just... Um, connect with y'all up there. I usually uh, spend some time with you guys. So uh, welcome. Um, and we're glad that you're here. Hopefully all your tests went well. You're not failing your classes or your parents will not be happy with you. Um, but welcome. Uh, happy that you are here. I have a question this morning. Have you guys ever said the words, I told you so? And usually, when you say that, typically it's because you were right about something, about some person, some situation, and you utter the words, I told you so. We've all, we've all at least thought it, and we've picked our battles as to when we choose to say it. I told you so. Words that people really don't like to hear very often when they're wrong. But what I've learned in life is that you don't always have to say those words, I told you so. Sometimes it's okay just to think it, to know that you were right all along and let things play out. In specific relationships, you never want to say, I told you so. Husbands to your wives, don't do it. It's not worth it. I remember many, many years ago when uh, I was probably in middle school, I was playing um, Little League Baseball, and there was this bat that I wanted. 
And we had just transitioned from like, I think it was like the 11-year-old to like 12-year-old. And then they allowed this specific bat. And this bat was the Air Attack 3. I remember it. It was black. It had like red lettering. And it had like the 3 was in yellow. And I wanted this bat so bad. It was like, I mean, it was revolutionary. The reason was because... Back then, if, if you follow college baseball or high school baseball, there's like a ton of regulations as to what bats you can use and umpires will come and they'll inspect the bat to make sure that it's legal. Well, 25 years ago, um, that wasn't, 25 years ago, my word, uh, that wasn't an issue. <laughs> So there was really no regulation. This bat, what made this bat so special was that according to the claim, according to the East Bay magazine that it was in, it had a helium balloon inside of it. So it would make the ball, I mean, just explode off the bat. And I wanted the bat so bad, it, we, we could now use what was called big barrels and it's what I wanted. So I made a deal, and if I got the grades that I got, and, and I, I did well in my classes, my dad was going to get me this bat. So the report card came, I got really good grades, and I said, I did what you asked, can we get this bat? He's like, yes. I said, can we go today? And I remember it was Sports Authority right down the street before it closed, that's where it was. And I'm like, dad, we, we just need to go today. Like, I want to have the bat. He's like, no, no, no we're going to go Sunday. This was like early in the week, and I like, all I could think about on Sabbath was this baseball bat that I'm going to get on Sunday. And I'm, and I'm like, why can't we just go earlier? Like, I could have had it, and we get there Sunday, they are sold out. I am so mad. And I'm like, see, Dad, I told you, if it would have come when I said, the bat would have been here. That didn't end well for me that day. But a few days later, I think it was a little bit of my mom talking to my dad, helping him calm down from not wanting to punish me. Uh, I ended up getting the bat. But it was a battle that I shouldn't have fought. It was a battle I shouldn't have said, I told you so. Even though I knew that I was right, and I knew, I, I always approach life as a child, and I still kind of do, with urgency, like, I need to do this today. We need to get this today. But I knew I was right. I knew it was like, the bet everybody wanted and it wasn't going to last long and luckily we ended up finding it and I got my bet. But as we're reading in the book of John and you know that we've been uh, now on a new journey on who is this man. John had been talking about someone who was coming that was going to be greater than he. Someone who was to come and to many they dismissed him. They thought he was crazy. He was proclaiming about something unseen, a person that no one had yet experienced. But he said, someone who is coming is going to be greater than I am. And everything that I'm doing is in his name. And I'm telling you, he's going to arrive. He will be here. The reason why I, I do what I do is not for me, but for this man who is going to come, the Messiah. John 1, 29 takes us to this moment where all of the promises and prophesying that John had been do, do, doing, they come to a head. And if you have your Bibles, John 1, verse 29, it says this, 
the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down on and remains is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Now, if you know any history in Scripture, you know there was a lot of questions as to who this Messiah was going to be, this promise, this fulfillment of this man that was going to come. And John is doing his best to clarify who that man is. And in this moment, he says, everything that I've been preaching about, that I've been teaching about, everything that I've been doing, the person that I told you about, that you thought I was crazy, that I was proclaiming, he's here. In other words, John saying, remember all the things I said and you said I was wrong and you laughed at me? I told you so. This is him. I can imagine John's excitement and anticipation that as everything he's been working towards is now being fulfilled in the coming Messiah. He says, this is the guy. And for those who didn't believe me, here he is. John was proclaiming in about someone who he had not yet seen. And he was hoping and preaching that others would also do the same. Because this man was different. This was what the Old Testament had been talking about. Who was going to come and save the world from its destruction, its pain, and its heartache. But I mean, isn't this us? If we truly are testifying and we truly are living the testimony of Jesus, and I'm specifically talking to us who call ourselves Christians, isn't this how we are living? If, if we're called to live and we're called to preach about the name of Jesus, our anticipation is his return. And until then, what we do is we are living testimonies for others to see what Jesus can do in your life. And we give people an assurance and a promise that he will return. And sometimes, maybe we get laughed at. Maybe we get the eye roll. But much like John, we are also in that same position as Christians testifying and sharing our testimony of what Jesus has done in our life. And so John encounters this I told you so moment that we're all waiting to have. Maybe we won't say it, but we're waiting for the moment where all the things that we have been preaching and teaching and sharing to our friends about on Sabbath morning, in our work, in our home, in all of these little moments, we're waiting to have the moment of saying, remember when I told you about this man he, here he is. We're all living in this moment of anticipation. It's, it's in our name. We wait upon the coming of Jesus. 
and his soon return to bring us back to a life of eternity with no pain and no suffering. We wait for this moment where the sovereign God returns in all of his glory. Part of me is when I think about that situation, I, I would want to say, I told you so. Not from a place of hate, but of joy, because what I have been living for has now come to reality. But what follows in John 1, 29, is this idea of baptism. John saying, I came baptizing with water so that Jesus could be revealed to Israel. If we look back, we know that this is not too far long after the baptism of Jesus. What John, this situation, this story in time, it isn't too far after Jesus had been baptized. In fact, this is the introduction to Jesus's public life. Many believe that there is only one significant event between the baptism of Jesus and this encounter with John. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, what that encounter was, what that moment in time that that, that revolutionized the, the, the story and the mission of Jesus. But it leads me to ask this question. How well do we adapt when things don't go as planned? When things don't go the way you had expected them to? We all act, we all react differently when we have a certain plan and we want things to go a certain way and then things take a turn in the wrong direction. It gets a reaction out of us. Some of us really just thrive in those situations. We know how to alter the path and adjust with the change. And some of us just go into full-on panic mode. Whether it's a situation at work that your boss tells you, well, instead we're going to go this direction and you had been spending all this time planning for this presentation and now you have to change it the morning of. Or a child throwing a curveball at you, wanting to change their course in life. We all act and adapt differently. Back in 2015, I had the opportunity. Um, I was, uh, we were childless. It was just me and Vanessa, and I had a lot more time to exercise. And one of the things I loved to do was compete in CrossFit events. And that was the first year that I had the opportunity to compete on the, the pro division. And it took a lot of work, but there was this one event, and it was in Miami, and um, you had to qualify, you had to send like video footage and do your events, and you know, you had to get judged and all that kind of stuff. And I had finally like made it to my goal, was, which, which was to be at the Crush Games in Miami. And I remember getting there, and seeing the guys who were also competing who weren't like me and why what I say by that is this was their full-time job I had kind of been doing this while trying to hold another job trying to exercise and eat right and do all this stuff to compete and I remember specifically going in it was a three-day event and it was like morning uh, uh, two workouts in the morning one at lunch like around noon and then in the evening there was another one 
And by day two, my body was destroyed. Like, I could not feel from, like, my waist down. It was just complete, sore. I mean, I, I did not know how I was going to make it to day three. It was, it was a, a three-day event. But the thing was, is in order to get to the last day, you had to finish within the top 15 on, on, the, on the second day. And if you didn't finish in the top 15, then you were eliminated. And I'm like, part of me is like, I don't want to do this anymore. This hurts so bad. The other part of me is like, I came this far. I really want to do this. Like, I really need to. But I'm like in this, this, this conflict. And at that point in time, there were people who were just doing this for a living. And so three days of this was no big deal for a lot of these guys. For me, it was like I went from running like a 5K to like a marathon from one day to the next and where they had been running marathons every day. And I remember looking at the leaderboard on Saturday night and we got like Epsom salt, I got ice, I was trying to do whatever. I got, I got Condon to bind this like um, stimulating muscle thing over there. I was trying anything and everything to feel normal because I could barely walk. And I remember looking and refreshing the page to see like when it got updated and I was number 11. So I made it to the last day and my wife was excited. I was terrified because I didn't know how I was going to actually like do these next, this next day. When my, I mean, I literally was in so much pain. And so I'm like, yay, like we made it to the last day. So we go. That happens, the events. And, and I remember that morning thinking, I just want to eat tacos. That's all I want. And I had this plan. We were, gonna, we were gonna finish these events. I didn't care where I finished. I made it to the last day. And we were gonna go to this place. If you've ever traveled with me or you know, I always have like places to eat lined up. Like I know what I'm gonna do. I know we're gonna go eat. I know we're gonna go get coffee. And there was this taco place I just wanted to go to. And I said, as soon as it's done, we're out of here. So I, I finish. I'm pretty sure they like carried me to the car because I was just so like destroyed. And so we get to this place, and I am starving. I had been eating, like, super clean, and so I order, like, six tacos. Um, and I forgot what they were, and Vanessa's with us, and we're, like, in the heart of Miami. And um, I remember, like, eating two, and I have to go to the bathroom, so I, like, I think I stepped away. And I come back, and we had to eat outside. It was so full. The line was so long that there was no place to sit, so we just sat, like, outside in this public area. Go to the bathroom and I come back and I'm like, where are my tacos? And Vanessa had given them to a homeless person. I was so conflicted. I was so hungry. But at the same time, that was so nice of her to do. And I had to wait another hour if I wanted these tacos. And so I couldn't be mad. I didn't know what to think. And if you know Vanessa, this is how she is. Like, we, we stop at a light, there's a homeless person, she's finding whatever she can to give. To, I mean, she's a social worker, it's in her DNA, it's in her blood, she just wants to help people and it breaks her heart to see this. So like, what was I gonna do, get upset because she gave away my tacos? Part of me was. But my whole plan was destroyed. I was starving and we had like a four hour drive back home and so I'm wrestling with this isn't this didn't go as planned but it was so nice of her to do we really did a good thing but now I just got to go eat like fast food stuff that I could have gotten where I live 
It is what it is. But my day did not go as planned. My tacos were gone. For a good reason. Had to keep telling myself that. But we approach baptism in this way. We have this expectation that, oh, when I'm baptized, life is just going to be amazing. Leading up to Jesus' baptism, all he had been doing had been learning and absorbing and preparing himself for, for what was going to come next. Three years of discipling, of walking, of teaching, and doing his own teaching and his own preaching. And during his baptism, his life becomes public. What we know is that one event between Jesus' baptism and this encounter with John, it was not smooth sailing. It wasn't Jesus being baptized and everything was great and he was going to accomplish and do all these things and he was not going to have uh, any issues, any any catastrophe in, in the life, in his life, in Jesus' life. But as we read, this is the part in, in the movie where you think like, you know, there's this, always this like, the, the main character goes through this like rough and bad part, but then he overcomes. That's like every, every movie, it's like, okay, the bad's gone now, this is just positive stuff. Well, this isn't the case. Jesus now encounters this desert moment. Jesus' hardest moments in his life happened right after his baptism. What John is describing here is his testimony, describing what has happened in his life. So what was the purpose of John's testimony? Three reasons. The first one was to fulfill prophecy. Isaiah 40 verse 3 talks about this coming Messiah. And so the first reason for John's testimony, as we read at the end of, in the end of verse uh, 32, 33, is for him to fulfill this prophecy. This very moment is what the Old Testament points to. It's what the New Testament was living in, in the life of Jesus and the Savior of the world. And it's what we point back to after the crucifixion of Jesus. It's this center point. It's this moment in history that from before the cross, people looked towards. Then in the New Testament, they lived with and we look back to. It's what everything revolves around is in the life and teachings of Jesus up until his crucifixion, the moment that changed the course of humanity. Everything points to this one moment. The second reason for John's testimony was to call people to repentance, to show us our need for saving. Jesus didn't come to show off, to show his glory and how glorious he was and how he was the God of the universe and how he could really just swipe the world with just words. But instead, he came to fulfill the work that he had been called to by his, earth, by his heavenly Father. Jesus didn't live and walk on this earth as just to say, look at me and look what I can do. It was with purpose and it wasn't rooted in himself. His purpose was to save 
his people. The third reason for John's testimony is to draw people's attention toward the coming Messiah. What John had been doing had been causing a lot of attention. And John directed that attention to himself so he could point it to this man, to Jesus, to say, this is the reason why I've been doing what I have been doing. The reason John baptized was so that Jesus would be revealed to Israel. The purpose of baptism is to point to Jesus, is to show what Jesus has done in our life. Baptism, it isn't an easy button that we push and expect all the things to go away, the pain and the misery. In fact, like Jesus, it may get harder. The difference is now that we step into those moments of hardship and fear with a different kind of faith and expectance. We approach life with a heart of surrender, acknowledging we don't have to fight this battle anymore because Jesus has fought it for us. That is what we enter in when we go into a relationship with Jesus, when we give our life to Christ through baptism. It's to happen and the way we, we put it in our minds of this is what's going to happen and, and this is how it's going to unfold. And when things don't go our way, it gets a reaction out of us. I'm one of those people. I wanted my tacos. Didn't get them. But how do we adapt? That's the difference. How do we adjust when things don't go our way? When life throws you a curveball, when, when life gets difficult, did we expect it to be any different? And how do we adapt and how do we adjust? Do we run away from or do we run towards Jesus? John the Baptist was not baptizing for fame. Jesus didn't get baptized in life so that his life could become easier. The life of John and Jesus, they were both baptized for a reason greater than themselves, for a higher purpose. Therefore, their expectations were not rooted in themselves. We don't choose baptism for self-gain. We don't choose baptism because of other people and because they're doing it. Baptism is an act of humility. It's not an ego stroke. It's not about us. It's an inward change. And it's an outward expression of what Jesus has done in our life. For something to need fixing, something has to be wrong with it in the first place. And the act of baptism is just that, acknowledging our need to be fixed, to be saved, that we need something greater than us. And we know that life isn't going to be perfect after, but we fight differently after we give our life to Jesus. In fact, it's not our fight anymore. It's not our problem anymore. It's God's problem. It's the ultimate surrender to Jesus and a public statement to the world saying you have no desire to chase anything but the grace and mercy of Jesus. 
Verse 31, John says, The reason I came baptizing was with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. John isn't talking about his own baptizing. He's talking about the baptism of others, what he had been doing, his physical work here on this earth. John is specifically talking about what God has called him to do. Through John's obedience, Jesus is revealed. So what does your obedience to Jesus look like? What does a calling in your life fulfilled look like? Have you been obedient in the job and the career God has chosen you for? And has Jesus been reflected in how you handle situations and how you talk to others and how you love your family and the friendships that you hold? Is Jesus reflected? College students, the career that you're choosing, the life that you've taken, the path that you've taken in life, is Jesus reflected in your daily walk? Are your actions towards others one that point to Jesus or away from Jesus? John's life and what he did was just for one reason, so that Jesus could be revealed to the world. Are your actions actions that drag Christianity and his name through the mud or do they glorify how worthy he really is? What John is saying is the platform which we should be operating from is one of surrender, of sacrifice. How we love whether or not we choose to forgive, even the ones that, we, that don't deserve it, what kind of time are we giving to those who maybe don't deserve our time, but are we investing in them? What kind of friendships we create? Are they reflective of the gospel, the good news? There are promises that God wants to prophesy over you. There are promises and blessings that he wants to declare over each and every one of our lives. And maybe when I say this word baptism, it makes you nervous. Maybe you haven't taken that step. But when we enter into this commitment of baptism, what we are doing is we're giving up ourselves to Jesus and allow for him to proclaim and fulfill the promises that he has for our life. And I can tell you, they are good. Those problems don't become our problems anymore. They're God's problems. This is what John was trying to preach about, to show these things that you're going through, you don't have to. I don't do this for my own gain, but I want you to share with me how good it is to live a life that is dedicated to the one and only name that is worthy. His name is Jesus. See, the problem is we tend to carry all of these expectations in our life. We have certain trajectory for our courses and, and where we go. And when things don't go the way we had planned. Many of us don't know where to turn to. 
we run into situations and problems and issues. And there Jesus is, his goodness and mercy following us, saying, give those to me. If we live a life where we can't cast our problems, our issues, our heartache, our pain, our addictions, our anger to a God, then his son died for no reason at all. So here's the challenge. Jesus' moments in the desert were the hardest moments of his life. He was baptized and immediately he goes in the desert for 40 days and he is tempted and he is tried by Satan himself. And he is weak. He's malnourished. He is at the point where he can no longer sustain himself. And if Jesus would have tried to take on those problems himself, he would have failed, but instead he gives those problems to his heavenly father. Jesus becoming fully man in that moment is tempted just like we are, is tried, is weak, but he knows he's not there to do his work, but his father's. The problems that he earned, that he's encountering are not his, they are now his father's. So here's the challenge. Are you ready to make your problems God's problems? We're going to sing a song. And uh, myself, and I've asked Pastor Mark to come forward. And this is not a, can be, a call for baptism. But maybe it's just the first step in saying, I need to give my problems over to God. I need to let go. I've been carrying this for too long. And maybe there's just someone in here who's feeling the need for saving, for needing to just pray it out. We'll be down here for anyone who wants to come forward, and we just want to pray with you. It's not a decision for baptism yet. We don't have a baptismal pool in here, as you can see, so. But we can get one. We know how to get one. And we will get one if that's your decision in the future. But today, all we want to do is we want to pray with you. We want to pray your problems to God. And maybe it's just a moment where you need to come here and you have no words. We'll pray over you. But we need to come to a place where our expectations and the things we hope for and and knowing that whatever comes our way before, after baptism, in our desert moments, that our problems are not ours. We no longer have to worry about them anymore. We don't have to carry the guilt and the shame that has been put on us by the world because God sent his son to do that on the cross. And he carries it for us. Maybe maybe you're the one who just wants prayer and that's okay, we're here to pray for you. If we can't pray with one another, then we're not a community that reflects Jesus. 
So what is it? What problem? What issue? What thing is it that you have to give up to God? You don't have to be specific to us. We just want to pray over you. We believe that when we ask God for something, he will make it come to pass. It may not be in our time, and it may not be when we want it to, but the first step is to allow Jesus to work in your life, to let him in, to say, God, these are my problems, these are my issues, this is my desert moment, these are the temptations that I'm dealing with, and I want to give them to you. I can assure you, whatever you're going through, whatever situation, problem, he is bigger than all of it. So in these next few moments, think about that. We invite you, if that's something you want to, just have us pray over you to do that while we sing this last song. But may this be a prayer of victory. May this be a moment where everything changes for you, knowing that you no longer have to walk alone, but that Jesus is with you in the good and in the bad. And whenever life goes a different direction, still, God is there with you every step of the way.